Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Hello and good morning. Well, it's good to be here this morning and I am going to ask Anne to come here and read today's passage. Can I ask you all please to stand for God's, uh, uh, for, for the reading of God's word, please? Thank you. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Father, we just, I just want to pray this morning that if anything, God, you would speak to us. You would speak to your church. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us in a different way this morning. I just pray that, God, nobody would go back, Heavenly Father, out of those doors the same way they walked in. Father, this is your word. The Bible says your word will not return to you void without accomplishing that which it has been sent forth to accomplish. Would you come and accomplish your word this morning? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, those lights are quite bright, which is good, which means you can all see me very clearly. Well, I am very excited this morning to be doing this, to be sharing God's word with you and... uh, Yeah, it is quite exciting. We are now in the third week of our eight-week series, which we have called Foundations, and it is based on the book of, it is based on the book of Acts, which Peter Betton did such a brilliant job a couple of weeks ago in introducing it to us. And Peter Betton, in his introduction of the book, he said that the book of Acts, it is like, it's, it's a sequel to the book of Luke, to the Gospel of Luke, as they both have the same author. He gave us this beautiful image of the book of Acts being almost like a bridge that connects the Gospels and the letters of the Apostle Paul to the church. And um, Adam last week, Adam Heather last week, he spoke on the first part of the second chapter of the book of Acts um, when God poured his spirit upon the church on the day of Pentecost. And Adam said something which I totally agree with 100%. He said, everything we are going to do and learn together in the next few weeks will only make sense when we begin to understand the moment when God poured out his spirit upon his church on the day of Pentecost. Everything that comes as a result in in terms of what happens in the book of Acts, it will be, it makes sense, it will only make sense when you begin to understand that it was at this moment where everything completely changed. This was the moment where the church just went completely viral, as some would say. Now, 
subsequent to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Subsequent to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we read that the believers, they devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they devoted themselves to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I don't know about you. I understand why the, the early believers would dedicate themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, would, they, they, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching because of this is how they get to, you know, this is how they get to enhance or to grow more in their knowledge and understanding of God as they sit around the feet of the apostles, listen to them, retell some of the stories that Jesus told his disciples and now they are retelling them to the early believers. I get why they would devote themselves to such, to um, why they would devote themselves to their teachings. I also understand why they would devote themselves to fellowship. Because of, you see, in, in devoting themselves to fellowship, it is a reminder to them and to us that whilst faith might be very, might be a personal thing, it is not individualistic you are going to need some people to walk alongside you as we all need and as, as we all seek to seek and serve God and others. We are, you are not going to be able to do this on your own. You're going to need your other fellow believers. So they devote themselves to fellowship, a way in which they can keep each other company, the way in which they can keep each other accountable as they all seek to serve God. You will never do this on your own. You're going to need others. So fellowship was a good thing for them to devote themselves to. We also read that they devoted themselves to prayer. It goes without saying that prayer is, a, is the pillar of every faith community. Prayer is fundamental. Prayer, as, Peter, as, as Pete Gregg said, is the DNA of who we are. Everything that we do as believers stands and falls on how we pray. I mean, our very own church that we are part of right now was born out of a movement called the 24-7 prayer movement. It could not make prayer more important than that. Prayer is absolutely crucial, and it makes sense why the believers would devote themselves to this. However, the breaking of bread, the breaking of bread in verse 46 it seems so normal. It seems so common. It seems so simple to be something that they would dedicate themselves to after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand that the breaking of bread, it might also be referring to the Lord's Supper, and that would be something worth devoting themselves to. It is important that they devote themselves to, to remember what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 22, when he took the cup, broke the bread, he gave it to them, he gave thanks, and he says, eat it and do this in remembrance of me. So we understand that they would devote themselves to the breaking of bread in a way of the Lord's Supper, to remind themselves of the ultimate sacrifice of, of God giving his only son to come and die for our sins on the cross. But if you read verse 46, if you read verse number 46, it says this. It says, they broke bread in their homes, ate together, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and finding favor with all the people. To me, this sounds like the breaking bread where folks just sit together by, on their tables and have a meal together. Whilst the Bible might be referencing the breaking of bread in a way of, uh, 
in a way of the Lord's Supper, I think verse number 46 is also referencing the breaking of bread in a way that they sat together on each other's tables, in each other's homes, and ate together. They devoted themselves to this really simple, common, natural thing after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To put it in another way, Church wasn't something that, just, that, that they just did at the temple courts or in the temple. Church was something that they had at their own dinner tables. Church was something that they did in their own homes. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and eating together. This, this is a biblical principle. This comes after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes down in power, this is how the believers begin to live their lives with one another in community and being hospitable to one another. Hospitality in the book of Acts was as a result of God pouring his Holy Spirit upon the church on the day of Pentecost. This is where we find the principles of hospitality in community. One of the principles of our church, like of the 24-7 prayer movement, one of our values, one of our core values here at Ameas, sorry, I almost said one of our core values here at Lexio 365, but I meant to say, one of our core values here at Ameas is hospitality. We believe this stuff, and this is where it comes from. It comes as a result of God pouring out his spirit. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the early believers quickly realized that God was just as present on their dinner tables as he was in the temple courts. And what did they do? They practiced hospitality in a way of having each other at their homes to experience the presence of God that was in their homes in the same way that it was in the temple courts. Hospitality is as a result of God pouring out his spirit upon the church and on the dinner tables in our homes. Now, do not underestimate what God can do with your dinner table. Do not underestimate the blow that God can deal to the devil or to the enemy with your dinner table. Your dinner table is as powerful as any other sermon you've ever had. God can transform and change lives on your dinner table. Yes, sermons are important. Yes, what we do collectively as a church is very important. But it is equally important as a church we understand that we are to learn the principle of hospitality amongst one another. Hospitality is a, is a godly thing to do. It is a principle. It's, it's actually something that the Bible insists on. When you, read, when you read Paul's letters and you read the Gospels, you will find that hospitality is something that Scripture insists on. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 10 and 12 to 13, it reads, it reads as follows. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, be joyful 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. And it says this, practice hospitality. That is in scripture in the book of Romans where we've just read. Now those two words, practice hospitality, is the Apostle Paul trying to encapsulate in this, in this part of the chapter which, he, uh, which is titled Love in Action. He is trying to encapsulate, uh, um, he's trying to encapsulate this chapter in two words and those words are practice hospitality. In other words, make it a habit. Make it something that you live by. Make it a make Make it something that it is part of your DNA as it is part of our DNA here in Amaze. So the lesson here is make your dinner table. Make your dinner table a place where church can take place in a different form. Make it an altar of prayer where God's presence resides and have other people come into it. But you see, the thing is with us here, people, especially here at Surrey, we have got a problem, right? We have got this fear of inviting people into our homes because of we think our homes don't look particularly that, that amazing or that awesome or we don't have a conservatory or we don't have matching plates or we don't have... Uh, we don't have the same, we don't have the same this, we don't have the same that, and we are afraid to have people come onto our dinner table and, and have a meal with us and break bread with us in a way that honors the Lord so they can encounter God. I want to tell you something. God does not care about the state of your house. Can I get an amen to that? God does not care about the state of your house. God is not asking you to just sort of like have an amazing house. All God is asking is this, have you got a table at your house? Have you got a table at your house? Because that's what God needs. Anne and I, Anne and I we have got a really, really, um, we had, before we moved, now we have got a tiny bed. It's about a few inches longer than the, our, our, our table in our previous house. But in our house, we didn't even have a space where you can sit down and have dinner. And we just had a table right in the middle of, the dining room somewhere. And, when, and, and God impressed it upon our hearts that this is something that he would like us to do. And I will talk about that in a moment. But let me tell you this. God is not asking you to have an amazing house. He's saying, can you give me your table so people can encounter my presence on it in the same way that the early believers did. They devoted, devoted themselves to the breaking of bread with another. Devote yourself is an incredibly strong word. And I don't think they cared if somebody had matching plates or matching cups. As I said, hospitality is something that scripture insists on. In Galatians chapter, in Galatians chapter 6 verses 10, the apostle Paul, when he writes to the church of Galatians, again, listen to this. He said, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those in the house of believers. Especially those in the house of faith. But does not that sound a little bit selfish, Apostle Paul, to say especially those in the house of faith? Why particularly, why particularly them? I think the Apostle Paul, what he's trying to say here in this passage of Scripture, he's saying you cannot give what you haven't got amongst yourselves. You cannot give what you haven't 
God amongst yourself. You cannot practice hospitality in the, to the outside world if you haven't got it inside of the church. In other words, hospitality is something that has to be so prevalent in the church first so that it overflows to the outside world. Hospitality is how God chooses to reveal and show himself to a broken world through his own church. But the question is, is the church going to embrace hospitality in the same way that the early church did? Because the Bible says, and the Lord added, added daily to their numbers those who were being saved as a result of devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, and most importantly, something we can so easily forget, to the breaking of bread. Yes, in a way of the Lord's Supper, but also in a way of sitting together on each other's homes in each other's dinner tables to encounter God in a different form. We, we have had Holy come in here and saying we have got some students that are coming over to the church. Are they going to find a hospitable church that loves God and loves his word and loves fellowship in the same way? Are the students going to find an answer to prayer when they come to, to this church in a way of hospitality because of the Bible insists that we be hospitable because hospitality is how God chooses to move in the broken world through his church. This is the stuff that makes us practice hospitality. In community, practice hospitality. Let it overflow out of you. When he says, especially especially to the family of believers, this is not in the selfish way. It's that thing that you get in the planes. You know, in the plane when they say, put on the oxygen mask on you first before you help other people. That is not in a way of being selfish. That is saying, well, you're not going to help anybody if you're dead. So breathe first, have oxygen, and then you can help other people. You cannot give what you haven't got. You cannot give what you have in God. You remember what Jesus said to his disciples. He taught them this in his farewell speech. This was in Jesus' farewell speech, one of, the, one of his last few words. He says, they will know you by this. By this, you will be known by, by the way you yourselves love each other. Because of if you love each other in the same way that I have loved you, then the world is going to want to have that love for, he, for itself. But it has to be something that you have amongst one another. It has to be something that you practice amongst one another. Jesus could have said so many profound and deep and meaningful things and, and, and he just said this is how they will know you by showing and practicing and living out hospitality. Some of you will remember Daniel Grothy, one of my favorite heroes and uh, a friend to Emmaus Church, and he's been here to speak a few times. He spoke on a message about nine, nine, or, so nine or eight years ago when we were still at the Electric Theater. If you can still remember the Electric Theater, all the OGs. It's just literally across there. He came, and then he spoke on the message. And this, um, he spoke on the message when he was speaking on the message of, of hospitality. He was giving story after story of how their church responded to one another and to their community in hospitality, in such a mini radical hospitality. He called it. And then he said this. He said, every time we would have people so often come to us and ask us, why do you do the? Why do you do what you do? What is the reason? Why do you? Why do you do hospitality? 
hospitality this way? Why is it so meaningful? And Daniel growth, Daniel growth his church, he said when they replied, he would say this, because the church of God exists in the city. <laughs> Almost went a bit Pentecostal there. But he's, this, is, this is what he said. He said, because the church of God exists in the city. Because the church of God exists in the city, hospitality flows into the city. But it first starts with us. It exists within us first. And then it goes out to everybody. Why do you do the lighthouse? Why are you guys pursuing to have the lighthouse, to have a building in one of the most expensive places to pay rent? Why are you praying so hard to have a lighthouse in Guildford? Because of the church of God exists in Guildford. Why are you guys doing the Christmas appeal and then you just like opening food banks and giving the people who are poor, people who can manage on the margins of life. Why do you guys do this, Emmaus? Why do you do this? I pray and hope that our response would be because the church of God exists in Guilford and that's where hospitality flows. That's where the source of hospitality and living in community flows. We refuse to have people suffer in the city of God where the church of God exists because The church of God exists. I pray that this would be our reply. We do what we do because the church of God exists in the city. Now, some of you, those of you who are regular users of the Lexio 365 you would have heard this week that on Thursday we did a feast day um, on the Dutch Catholic priest, uh, Harry Newman. And Harry Newman once wrote this statement. He said, hospitality is not, is, is, is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. It's to offer them space where change can take place. Now, hospitality, having read that, hospitality makes room for others to grow and thrive in. Hospitality makes room for other people to come in. Hospitality gives people a sense of belonging. Hospitality is a space where people can come and encounter God and as a result of having encountered God, be changed by God. Hospitality offers space for people to grow in and to change and to thrive without competition. Without competition. Now, some of you will be wondering why we have got two plants here in the front. Some of you will be going like, oh dear, he's got plants on the pulpit. And some of you would be going, oh, what's he up to now? Because they know my love for plants. Now, here I've got two plants. I've got a rose. This is the latest rose by David Austin. Israel, do not go in into plants, just. <laughs> this is a rose by David Austin. It is called Penelope Lively. It's a new rose by David Austin, and it's absolutely beautiful. You should see it in flower. I've got a picture of it in flower here somewhere. I've got two of them. There it is. That is, that is the rose there on that side. Does not that look amazing? I mean, that's a killer rose there. 
if, if you're looking to get a rose, get yourself Penelope Lively. That's a beautiful rose. David Austin. One of the famous British breeders of roses. Anyway, and then here... And then here we have got an azalea. And here we have got an azalea. Can you all see it? This is an azalea. Now, you could not find two plants that are quite as different as these two are from one another. If you look at the rose here, the rose, it likes a, a very good mix of multipurpose compost with added John Innes. I'll explain that to you later what it is, but it requires a different soil. That's, what, that's all you have to know. It requires a different soil in order for it to grow and look as beautiful as it does on that picture. And then here you have got an azalea, which is so different to the David Austin rose. This is an ericaceous loving soil. So for those who do not know ericaceous, ericaceous simply means it is an acidic loving uh, plant. It loves acid. It loves acidic soil, and that soil is called ericaceous. These plants, they are so different from one another. They are completely different. Yet here they are, both of them, growing in the same garden. Yet here they are, as different as they are from one another, as requiring of two different environments as they are from one another, they are both in the same garden, belonging to the same gardener who loves them equally. They flower at different times of the year. This is an early spring flowering plant, and this is sort of like meat. It can flower for a long time if you prune it and look after it, etc., etc. But it flowers late in the spring. It flowers after this one has flowered. They are both so different to one another, yet here they are in my garden. I chose this two plants knowing, knowing that they are completely different from one another. And their differences is what attracted me to them. Their differences is what made me want to have them in my garden. So that when the other one finishes flowers, flowering, the other one takes over from it. So they are beautiful, as different as they are, and they both belong in my garden. Because I love these plants so much, they both have room in my garden. Because I love these plants so much, I have created different environments in my own garden for them to both thrive in. They both have their own rooms in which they could thrive because of I love having them. I want to have them. I knew what I was doing when I bought them. In John chapter 15, we read, uh, Jesus said this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, what is the point of this, Israel? What I am trying to say is hospitality, love in action, makes room for others to grow and thrive in. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like a garden where God is the gardener, and then he has made room for all the plants to thrive in regardless of what environments they require. That's what hospitality does. Hospitality acknowledges we are different. Hospitality in community acknowledges that we require different environments to grow and thrive in. But hospitality says, I'm going to make room for you. You make room for me. Because we both belong to the same gardener. We both make the same garden look beautiful. I don't know who you are or where you're coming from or where you have been, but I feel somebody needs to hear this. You belong in God's garden. You belong in God's garden. 
You might have been told in the past that you do not belong in certain spaces, you do not belong where, you do not belong here. I want you to tell, I want to tell you this, that God, the, the, the gardener, the true gardener, he's got room for you. He's got an environment for you. He's got the right soil for you. He's got the right stuff lined up for you to come in and to grow in. And one of the best expressions where I see this in our church is at collectives. One of the best expressions where I see people making room for each other so that they could thrive is at collectives. Collective is that part of the church where we get to do church differently in the same way that we don't get a chance to do it on Sunday. Anne and I have got the privilege of having led collectives for the last five years, and we, every time we, 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 we read God's word, we do stuff, and we break bread together, everything that happens in our collective, it happens around the dinner table. Everything that we do, it happens around us breaking the bread as something that we devote themselves to. The dinner table is the church where people can come in, cry, laugh, learn, and just let stuff out. A collective is where God makes room for us to do church in a way that we don't get to do it on Sundays. I want to encourage you. If you just want to, I've got pictures of my own collective here. Have Have we got pictures? There we are. If you can look at our, this is what we do. We just have meals and we talk about Jesus and we have church right there. Sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't, when we finish eating, we, we build terrariums in our collectives. <laughs> just, just how we roll. <laughs> just how we roll. This is, collectives are a place where we get to do church in a different way, in the way that the early church got to do it when they were not in the temple courts. Collective is where you're going to get close to, collectives is where you're going to cry, break down, be happy, enjoy birthdays and love together. I want to strongly encourage you, if you want to experience a different version of church than the one that we experience on Sunday, join a collective. We've been leading collective for five years, and in that five years, we have never gone without a Wednesday where we do not sit around the dinner table. I have had people, I have had people's lives, I've seen people's lives change on our collectives. I've seen people make some important, significant decisions around the dinner table as we prayed for them, as we ate a meal, as we broke bread together and made our dinner table an altar, an altar where God's presence resides collective is an expression of a church in a different form to Sunday and I encourage you if you are not part of a collective join a collective join a collective so hospitality today is what we are talking about based in the book of Acts. It was something that the early believers began to do as a result of God having poured out his spirit upon the church. The measure of a, of a good, healthy church, it is not measured by its number. It is not measured by the members that it has within its walls. No, it's not measured by that. It is measured by the hospitality that flows, out, that, that flows outside of it to the rest of the world. And this today is what I've been feeling strongly that the Lord is calling us to as a church like the old church to 
live a life in community that glorifies him in the way that we do hospitality. And I want to finish with a quote from an African scholar, Toko Ariome. And then he says this, which I think it is quite important. He's an African theologian and an African scholar, which is absolutely brilliant. He's wrote a devotion, a few devotions, and this is, one of, this is in one of the uh, Bible studies, uh, Bible books uh, or, or commentaries that he's written on the book of Acts. He says, the worship that pleases God is not ceremonial church worship, but a lifestyle that is characterized by extending hospitality and love to those in need. This, as a church, is what we are called for. This, as a church, it is one of our core values, along with teaching, fellowship, and prayer. We are called to be hospitable to one another. Maybe today, as we finish, you could ask God to, you know, you could ask God to give you the courage to go and invite that person here in church that you've always wanted to invite, but you never had time to do it so you could reveal God's heart in a way of hospitality. God bless you and thank you, Peter. Great, thank you.